The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV, series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the new Prodigy episode, Time Amok. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to share the podcast with your friends, especially those who like Star Trek, but share with the ones who don't like Star Trek, too, because maybe they'll like Star Trek when they start listening. But uh, that helps us grow our community and reach more listeners, and uh, that's the number one way that the podcast gets out to folks. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. If you like Star Trek, you probably like Star Wars, too. And so you want to start listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where they're talking about all the new Star Wars stuff and the old Star Wars stuff, too, uh, but to, to boot. And uh, so that's where you're going to get all your great Star Wars discussion at uh, The Secrets of Star Wars at sqpn.com slash Star Wars or wherever you find fine podcasts. So today we're talking about the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy. It's first season, the eighth episode or so. I forget. Eighth mm-hmm. total, seventh aired, whatever. And uh, Jimmy, could you give us a recap of what happens in this episode? Last time, Dal's foster mother, Diamond Nandy, decided to betray the protostar to the Diviner, and this time she does so, and sends the Diviner the coordinates of the ship. It would take months for him to reach the ship physically, because of how far away it is, but he hijacks the ship's vehicle replicator to make a new body for his robot pal Dreadnought to infiltrate the ship. Meanwhile, Janeway is doing teamwork exercises with the kids, and Dal reveals the fact that they're not really Starfleet cadets. Janeway is okay with that, but she foolishly lets the ship drift into a tachyon storm. This creates a technobabble problem, and the protostar drive will explode in 10 minutes. The tachyon storm also fragments time and isolates the kids in different zones where time is moving at different rates, some faster, some slower. Janeway is the only connection between the time zones, and as she hops between them, she develops a plan with the kids to save the ship. Unfortunately, the plan goes awry when Dreadnought's new body activates and he seizes control of the protostar. Janeway recognizes him from the original assault on the ship, which in which she lost her memory. Dreadnought then shockingly erases Janeway's program from the database using Chakotay's security code. Gwen ends up spacing Dreadnought, but she leaves detailed instructions for Rock on how to save the ship. Rock is moving in the slowest time zone, and she spends a huge amount of subjective time, probably years, learning the skills necessary to implement the plan. By herself, Rock both solves the problem with the protostar drive and reconstructs Janeway's program from the memory buffers. All seems well, but we see that the vehicle replicator has just made another copy of Dreadnought, and at the last moment, we see it activate. Dum, dum, dum. Dun, the dun, end. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're picking up here in this episode right from where the last one left off. This is what they've been doing with Prodigy. It's a cont- continuous story. And uh, we have this. They have teamwork problems. Um, by mm-hmm. the way, actually, let's, I want to start with the, the title. I forgot I wanted to talk about the title. The title of this episode is Time Amok. 
which is obviously a play on the original series episode, Amok Time, uh, which is. But the, this one has nothing to do with sex. Yes, right. Or <laughs> yeah, Vulcan uh, reproductive biology. Uh, Instead, this is one of the other favorite Star Trek plots of, you know, time being fractured or distorted. Yes. Time loops and and that sort of stuff. If they're introducing a new audience to Star Trek, you've got to have a time loop (laughs) story. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's there. So uh, and as I was saying, so Janeway is determined to do some team building that they're not working as a crew. And uh, so they she says um, Dal is very down. Obviously, I would mm-hmm. imagine after having been betrayed by his mother-like figure, this uh, this Ferengi uh, woman who had betrayed him, and um, he, and he's like, "Oh, I, I I'm terrible as a captain. I'm you know I'm no good." And uh, you know, she gives the aphorism, you know, "Falling down is easy. It takes practice to get back up." Um, which I'm not sure that's true, <laughs> but nevertheless, I'm not sure that's an aphorism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, adage. Sure. Well, I mean, I've never heard it before. Yeah, I've heard something about falling down and getting back up again and getting back on the horse, but this is a little uh, different. And so there's, she sets. There's a, there's a song about it, but that's another <laughs> yeah, story. It's a country song. So they're on the holodeck, and she set them to another one of these problems, and it's the classic: How do you get a fox, a chicken, and a bag of grain across the river safely? And it, yeah, it's the chicken crossing problem, and and they. They never they never give the solution. They let the audience mm-hmm. they leave it to the audience to work that out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they also don't explain it really well because right. the the chicken crossing problem is one that has idealized conditions. So the rules are you've got a chicken, a fox and a bag of grain. You got to get them all three across a river. You can only take one item with you at a time. Mm-hmm. And if you leave the fox and the chicken together, the fox will eat the chicken. If you leave the chicken and the bag of grain together, the chicken will eat the bag of grain. And so you've got to you don't want the chicken eaten or the bag of grain eaten because you mm-hmm. your goal is to get all three across. Right. This presupposes that you have a small enough boat or canoe or whatever that you can only take the one thing and it presupposes they're not going to run around like crazy and try to evade you. At least the, <laughs> the chicken and the fox aren't going to. But um, what we see on the holodeck breaks those. And so those conventions, the fox and the chicken do run around like crazy. And the boat is bigger, big enough to take more than one thing. So that adds layers of confusion if you're trying to think mm-hmm. about it. Right. If, for the audience to solve it, you need to strip it down to just its basic elements. Nothing's going to run away from you. Nothing is going to leave where you put it. Really, there's only one thing you can take at a time. And fox eats chicken, chicken eats grain. Right. Yeah, because yeah. when you so get the do whole... do you want me to reveal the solution? Yes. Why don't you? Yes, you should do that. Okay. First thing you take across is the chicken. That way, the bag, the fox has no interest in the bag of grain, so mm-hmm. they'll both be fine. Then on your, you, on your second trip, you take the fox. And um, you, when you get to the other side, you switch the fox for the chicken. So the fox is alone on one side of the river. You come back with the chicken. And when you get back, you switch the chicken and the bag of grain. 
So the chicken is left alone on one side. The fox is left alone on one side while you bring the grain across. You put the grain with the fox who has no interest in it. So now the fox and the grain are together. So they're fine. And your last trip, you come back and you get the chicken. Right. Right. This also presupposes there aren't like five crew members and one person can hold the fox and one person can hold the chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, but it's I, like well, add, adding the visual elements actually hurts the ability mm-hmm, um, uh-huh. to solve it logically because you're the, the logic is not the logical problem is an idealized one that presupposes things like foxes and chickens aren't going to run away from you. Right. It's right. kind of a funny choice to have as a team building exercise because it's not that effective of a of a problem for that sort of thing when you're on a holodeck i mean i can imagine other ones that they could but i That's, yeah it's better than some of the team building trust exercises like you know fall and your team member catches you which <laughs> usually incorporation mean means the person falls on the floor yeah but. because they fall forward instead of backward um <laughs> i've seen that uh but they they kind of treat it like the kobayashi maru from before you know the the this doomsday thing you know uh, a scenario and then they kind of have this slapstick thing that ends up happening with a everything goes runs amok so to speak jacob hoggy ends up eating the grain anyway so it doesn't matter yeah yes and so <laughs> uh so then this this is when Dal admits to Janeway that they're not Starfleet cadets and Zero goes and explains off camera everything that's happened so far to, to Janeway. And she decides even if they're not officially cadets, they're her charges now anyway. Yep. Well, it was hard to believe that if this is truly a representation of Janeway, that she would have been so clueless that they yeah. aren't really cadets. You're out of officer. You're out of uniform cadet. Yeah. 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 They, like they don't act like cadets. They, yeah, they, you know, it was kind of hard to, to buy that Janeway would be that dumb, but okay. We, you know, we, we go with it. Um, what did you think about the diviner being able to reach across thousands of light years into the, 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 the uh, protostars computers and insert the vehicle replication program to build dreadnought locally I, I thought they need better antivirus software on <laughs> yeah. the on the Protostar. I, I could see it that when it was when Dreadnought first yeah. took it over, that he installed some sort of backdoor. I mean, he, that that's entirely plausible. Right. Yeah. In, in terms of the in terms of the concept, I love it. I love that. Yeah, they're acknowledging the fact they're 3000 light years away. They can't get there immediately. But subspace has always been shown to work much faster mm-hmm. than actually mm-hmm. going somewhere physically. So so um, contacting the ship via subspace through some kind of backdoor you installed when you were in control of the ship previously and using it to build a vehicle replicator so you can have an avatar for Dreadnought, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. that was interesting. I, I mean, we, if you've introduced the vehicle replicator, which solves a massive <laughs> Star Trek Voyager problem, <laughs> uh, then you might as well have this sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I really. Uh, but I, they I still that. need better antivirus. Yes, they need yep. to go through the system and, <laughs> and get all of that out. Maybe Rockdoc can do that uh, now that she's, uh, yep, now, now she's the computer expert. Presumably they will after they defeat the second dreadnought. Yes, yes. Um, and then we have this, uh, as you mentioned, the Technobabble with this tachyon storm that and they just drift into that. It's like, come on. Right. Space weather alert. Go off something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I mean, it's it's only going to affect the, the gravity plating, which, as as Jankum realizes very quickly, means the protostar will no longer be shielded. 
Right. Oops. Yeah. That's the thing is this. So the pro, so the drive, this special drive has a proto star in it. That is some gravity thing is preventing it from exploding or something. And it's, it's contained in a gravitational field. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but so this, but by the interaction with the tachyon storm, it causes a time distortion. And like you mentioned, everyone ends up in their own time bubble on the proto star. I like that they I like how they communicate the difference in the rates at which time are pass is passing <laughs> because they they explain that it's like a I forget the term for it but it's basically a sine wave that right. changes amplitude over time mm-hmm. and so if you're if you're closest to the explosion your rate is the fastest like Jenkins Pogs or the slowest like rocks and then as you if, if you were physically farther away from the uh, from the engine, um, then you will have a, a lesser degree of acceleration or depression until it eventually trails off to just normal time. The farther mm-hmm. away you get. Yeah. And then it's in, the, the choice of who is where is is key to the story, because. Dal, who is the captain of our crew, is the furthest away, and therefore he's in the most normal time zone. Is it Dal? Second, no, it's second, oh, he's second. the second most. Gwyn is normal. Right. Gwyn is the is the most normal because she's furthest forward on the ship, I guess. Um, Zero is in the middle, and Zero is the one who kind of she she develops the base of the solution. So the whole idea of this episode it. is that they work together to right. Yeah, but Zero's in it. Yeah, I always say yeah. I think of she because the it's a, so it sounds like a feminine voice, but yes, zero isn't it? Um, oh, it does. To me, it sounds feminine. Yeah, it's oh. yeah, it's, it's not like a higher pitched man's voice to me. Yeah, because it is. As well. It's a dude. It's a higher pitched man's voice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, my first encounter hearing it sounded, it, my brain said feminine, and I've kind of stuck with that. <laughs> since, sorry. Mm. Um, as someone who's had been accused of having a feminine sounding voice in, at times in my life, which I think is really weird, I can understand the difficulty. Um, but uh, anyway, they the the they place the different characters at different points for the plot, which is good. Um, but the whole idea is that they are going to work together. It's sort of like one of these. Um, I've seen these YouTube videos where a bunch of people have to make a recipe in uh, succession, and so they have to each person mm. picks up from the last one, picked up the left off, but they don't know what the recipe is. So it's kind of right. like that. I see. I thought of it more as an escape room. Yeah. Well, there's the element of it too. Except if uh, mm-hmm. if the escape room only each person had to work sort of in isolation from each other, right. the other ones, yeah. right? Um, so uh, the the ship, as we do in time loops in Star Trek, uh, blows up between <laughs> each person, uh, but not not permanently. Apparently, um, I, I like as Janeway is jumping between the time zones because she starts with Jankum Pog mm-hmm. in the fastest mm-hmm. time zone. And he's like, the engine's going to blow up in 10 minutes. Bang, it blows up. And yep. she's she at first doesn't even realize that she's moving at an accelerated rate of time. And that's why it immediately blew up. It's because yeah. that really was 10 minutes, but mm-hmm. not subjective time. And um, and it's implied that uh, Rock would basically live out her her zone is so slow that she could live out her entire life and never die, uh, never die from the explosion. Right. Right. Um, That so uh, which is kind of you'll be fine. You'll just be living in your own time zone. It's like forever alone. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's not so fun. (laughs) Yeah. 
And they did, they did a good job of showing that where she like uh, rock was hiding under a blanket and she threw the blanket off and you see the blanket just slowly moving. Yeah. You know, so they showed that this, this action, which should have taken a second or two was taking minutes to mm. occur. I also like how after she gets the plan from zero, Janeway is all primed to go with the next zone she's jumping to. And it's Murph's. <laughs> yes. And she just instantly gives up. Yeah. <laughs> Murph is ha- there and he's happy and he's going to be of no help at all. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. With, with Dell, he's kind of he's still in his funk. And she tells him the story of Apollo 13 and, you know, how they. Save mm-hmm. the you know the 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 mission, save the spacecraft through ingenuity and working together and that sort of thing. Um, so that that's kind of fun that that well, Apollo thirteen comes up. Um, then we ha- when we get to Gwyn though, that's where Dreadnought is active and Dreadnought is coming for her, and um, it doesn't hurt. Well, it it hurts her, but it doesn't uh, you know attacker that's not its primary focus it's go it's going it's to get in the ship to bring it back yeah yep. so we know that he dreadnought has heard chakotay use his command codes before because it mm-hmm. plays a yeah. recording of his voice doing it this is a yep. really kind of shocking moment because they and they actually anticipated earlier in the show when janeway is um <clears throat> talking to rock the first time um, she's explaining what's happening and Rock is feeling so overwhelmed by all this that she can't take it. And she says, computer, make Janeway go away. And Janeway is like, no, but she's then gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to Gwen's time zone, um, Dreadnought is seizing control, ha- ha- basically has seized control of the helm. And Janeway is trying to interfere and um, and. I won't have the exact code, but it's something like this. Um, it, Dreadnought then just says, computer, erase Janeway program activation code Chakotay Zulu Zeta 156 commit. Yeah. And then we get a different effect of her fading out, indicating mm-hmm. she's not just been deactivated. She's been erased. Right. Yeah. He The RM dash RF. <laughs> so slashed yeah exactly <laughs> which is a linux code for delete everything on the drive uh yeah that that was that was a dramatic moment and we is janeway gone of course not but of, uh, of course not yeah. she's gonna be back in a few minutes yes but, exactly yeah. <laughs> but it's still a dramatic moment yep and mm-hmm. also we learned that there's friction between dreadnought and the diviner mm-hmm. in this scene because um earlier in a previous episode in flashback, we saw that um, that the diviner had overridden his like legal responsibilities as the last member of his race by creating a progeny or he'd he'd done something. He was violating some kind of order to create Gwen mm-hmm. and um, and Dreadnought had opposed that verbally, but not otherwise. And in this episode, um he he tell as he's talking to Gwen, he says that Gwen he that he Dreadnought knows that Gwen is the diviner's greatest mistake. Right. And so, well, OK, obviously now we're going to exploit that in the future and we're going to drive a wedge yep. between the diviner and Dreadnought over that issue. Right. That should probably be a part of the resolution of whatever's happening with the diviner. 
Um, so Gwyn and gets gets to the engine room where Dreadnought is trying to take over, and she ends up opening up a hatch and spacing him in the unrealistic way that spacing people happens in science fiction, mm-hmm. right, Jimmy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it, it it's it, losing the air in the room will not automatically blow you out into space. Yes, <laughs> um, there's not that uh, there's not enough air for that in a typical room, and it's not going to evacuate that quickly. But it's not going to instantly generate hurricane force winds with uh, with the limited amount of of air in the room with you. Right. Um, but it, it is very reminiscent of the end of the movie Alien. That's right. Yeah, where and it's holding on to the edge of the yeah. Uh, thing. Yeah, that's true. That's where true. Ripley spaces the xenomorph. Right. Yep. Un- unfortunately, Gwyn also spaces the warp matrix device <laughs> that, that, yep, that they built. built to save themselves. Yeah. yeah. And, and this is something where I thought the. I mean, I can accept it, I guess, because Gwyn is immature. But this is an area where I, I thought Gwyn. I thought the writing from it could be criticized because um, he's about to save the ship from blowing up. And mm. my inclination would be to let the robot save the ship from blowing up and then deal with the robot. Right. Mm-hmm. It was impulsive and foolish to uh, space him before he solves the existential threat. To my mind, solving the existential threat takes priority over non-existential threats like how do we deal with the robot and the diviner right right and yes because then she would have jankum there she'd have the rest of the crew there they could all work together and and yeah and solve the problem right that is a that is a bit of a um yeah it's it shows an immaturity in the in the the character herself so i I Mm -hmm. can see that um now I I I think I missed it originally when I was watching it but I I I picked it up uh, this whole idea of rock spending her timeline alone mm-hmm. and she's we get this idea that she's been reminiscing over things for a long time and yeah. she finds this message that Gwyn had sent her to rebuild the matrix and that's what prompts her to study engineering study yeah. uh, computers and become and, this and, expert and, and as she says and so much math <laughs> so, <Yeah. right. laughs> well and we, we well, get she- a character insight about rock because she we get this. The assumption is she's a a, a brick, um, the a member of the species, the brick. That she must therefore be security. Like she's kind of been assigned that mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be security. She wants to be an engineer, and that's how she gets around that. Well, and she's also does she want very to be young. an engineer or just not security? I think she just doesn't want to be security and yeah. stumbles on the engineering yep. thing as her thing. But yes, but, but we see that she, she's very young, and you know that's why when Janeway says you have to do this, no, make Janeway go away, get rid of her. Right. You know, I don't want to deal with this. But she matures through this process, right. and I wonder how much of that'll stick because the the nice way from a writing perspective to play that is she's she's she is genuinely older now, mm-hmm. and yeah. will be more mature and not quite the little girl she was. So right. if she's been ten years old, let's say previously emotionally she's going to be 14 years old now going forward right, right. that which would put her about mm-hmm. on par with Gwyn and dal and 
which uh, wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, that would be, yeah. be kind of an interesting writing development, you know, but it, we know it was a long time though. Cause she said it took like something like 280 tries to finally get Janeway's system recovered. Right. Right. For example, you see the scratches on the window as she's marking <laughs> off her attempts. Yeah. J- Janeway winces. I, 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 I like yep. the, um, the way that they, I mean, there is a, at least a, it's not Mr. Robot level realism, but there is a computer science basis for mm-hmm. for the recovery of Janeway, because even though Janeway's been deleted from this from the hard drive, mm-hmm. Janeway's program is still active mm-hmm. in the um, in the computer's memory, in, in right. its active memory. And you could use that to reconstruct a stable copy to resave to the hard drive if you yep. knew how. I'm surprised they haven't. And anybody's re- go ahead. I was going to say anybody who's ever worked with an undelete program on on DOS systems knows <laughs> how that works a little too well. Right. Having done that, yeah. Although they don't, that's a little different. It's, but it's, it's, they don't undelete, which is just restoring code that's still there on the hard drive, mm-hmm. but has become inaccessible. It's just regaining access to that code. Um, yep. This is taking it out of out of RAM and putting it back onto the hard drive. I'm surprised they don't have the hollow emitter, like they haven't reverse engineered it or something along those lines, that they haven't introduced mm-hmm. that as a way for Janeway to be more mobile. And They'll probably reveal that there is a hollow emitter on the ship at some point, but yeah. just like the yep. they took a, the kids a while to discover the transporters and the replicators and the holodeck, it'll take them a while to find the hollow emitter. Lore pie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that was good so one of the things that uh, fans notice is that at the beginning or near the beginning uh, or at the beginning Janeway gives a star date of 607125.6 and that's Mm -hmm. that's pretty far out that is a long way out longer than we've been led to believe that the the, the distance in time from the you know Star Trek Voyager and I I didn't check but that's only like 19 years after the beginning of Next Generation well, mm. the the showrunner, Aaron Watke, said that this is just evidence of the dis- time distortion already being caused by the tachyon storm. So that's not the actual star date, oh. we're told. that. Mm. But he did say we will get a, an actual star date by the season finale, where whenever okay. that is. But uh, uh, just I thought I'd mention that. Mm. Um, so and that that. Sort of brings the things to a close where we have a new a new interesting uh, status quo, which is Janeway understands who the these kids are. They are now going to start working together more as a crew uh, in, you know, in uh, in congruity. We've got Rock as the, you know, in her where she is. Hopefully that this is a continuity that they'll continue and not just kind of reset things to where they were. But it's kind of an interesting development, and that, and then we've got Dreadnought. They, they seem to know what they're doing as writers, so yeah. I would expect some of the. I would expect this not to just be reset. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an interesting looking forward to where things are going to go from here. But uh, any any other thoughts about this episode, from you guys? Uh, Father Corey? Nothing here. Okay. Uh, the only other thing is that the second Dreadnought we see being created is not being created complete. So there's going to be something different there where it's in parts and pieces it's not the first one that was was replicated it was replicated as one piece the second one is being replicated like it's broken so it's gonna be interesting to see how they oh, deal with that it may be he's he he that could be caused if it's uh not coming directly from the diviner ship hmm. but mm-hmm. if it's somehow rebuilding itself after it got spaced yeah oh 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I thought it, I thought, uh, in, in terms of the, I have a good thing and a bad thing to say about the writing. So bad thing, um, Janeway and others waste too much time in this episode talking and handholding and things like that. Um, this is, they talk as if there is no, we're going to blow up in 10 minutes threat. <laughs> yes. And even if you're in a slow time zone where you're going to have more than 10 minutes, you would, I, I, I would be, if I was Janeway, I would be much more efficient and say, look, I understand this is hard for you, but we're going to have to do this now, or we're all going to die. Suck it up and let's do this. Um, and, and this could have been, if they had written it that way, this could have been a very pulse pounding episode mm -hmm. if it was emergency from almost from the beginning of the crisis to the resolution of the crisis. This could have been just a really action packed, thrilling, pulse pounding episode if they had not stopped constantly to handhold the children and talk about philosophy matters and stuff like that that just stretches things out it occurred to me they may not have wanted to do that lest the episode be too intense mm -hmm. for some of the children in the audience um but as an adult watching this i would rather see the pulse pounding version Mm -hmm. So it didn't make sense to me that Janeway would spend and and others would spend so much time handholding like when Gwen because Gwen does it, too, when she's when she's leaving her last emergency message for um, for uh, rock and she's the one in basically normal time. She has way less than 10 minutes after all that interaction with Dreadnought. And she starts just kind of casually unspooling in the message that she's leaving for rock. You know, she should have been talking as fast as possible and telling her where to find hidden file locations and stuff. Right. For everything she needed. Um, so that was a flaw in the writing. But um, it, it it is genuinely sad. So this is the good thing. It is genuinely mm -hmm. sad with rock when she's all alone mm. and is despairing and is kind of at first reconciling herself to her fate of living her entire life alone and, and then having her save the day and having her be the one to save the day. It was nice. I like that. Yes, that was good. That was good. Excellent. So that's our discussion of uh, this episode of prodigy. Before we go, I want to take a moment to mention that there's some news about uh, other series from uh, Star Trek and on the Paramount Plus network, uh, which includes that Picard season two is premiering on March 3rd and that we're also going to get uh, the premiere of Strange New Worlds on May 5th. And that will overlap that day with the finale of Picard and the premiere of Strange New Worlds. And that Lower Decks is coming back this summer. Probably they didn't give a date, but probably when Strange New Worlds ends in August. So they'll pick it from there. And that Discovery is getting a season five. Uh, so that mm -hmm. well, season four is still ongoing, but that's coming season five. Strange New Worlds has already gotten a season two. Picard is set to film. Has should have been filming season three, but they had some COVID delays. So they'll, they're set to begin that as we're recording. And that Lower Decks is getting a season four. So I mean, just a lot of Star Trek coming uh, it's yep. it's going to be a continuous uh, and flow. Prodigy already has a season two. Yes. And yep. and we never we have no idea when 
we're going to get the rest of season one uh, once this run is done, because it seems like a pretty steady pace from here on out for the, with the other series. So we'll, we'll see, uh, who knows when, when season two will ever get here even. Yeah, they're sneaking in somewhere probably after Lower Decks or something, because Lower Decks will be, I, I think they made it clear it's going to be during the summer, kind of as it has been. So yeah. We had been told, you know, by the showrunners, people of the, the powers that be at Star Trek before, that their intention was to have a steady run of new Star Trek for us, and so th- that that's apparently what we're getting. This is where where the uh, the the taps have been opened, and we're going to get it. Um, no word on the Section Thirty One series or any of those other ones, which I really want to see because I want to see Michelle Yeoh come back. I know there's there there were kind of rumors that there wasn't going to be a season five of Discovery, and it was going to be the Section Thirty One, but of course that's that's changed now. Mm. So sadly, sadly, yeah. Oh, but that's so that's some uh, Star Trek news that I'd uh, let you all know. And of course, we'll be covering most of those. Uh, yeah, as we, there's uh, only one discussion. real stinker series in the bunch. Yes, yes. But so the, the far, rest, I'm so looking forward to Strange New Worlds. I really hope it's going to be good. I really, <laughs> I'll be disappointed if it turns out to be awful. Uh, all right. So uh, let's wrap things up there. I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Rachel T, Blake P, Casey O, Bob C, and Nathan H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you think about uh, Time Amok. I almost said, <laughs> said it backwards. Time Amok, <laughs> this Prodigy episode. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Prodigy. But until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And Father Cory Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest, and remember, falling down is easy. Computer, delete Dominic. <laughs> Activation code Chicote Z five seven six commit. No.